So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Sports Edition, and we're going to do an entire episode on COVID-19 and athletes. We, you know, we've done COVID-19, we do athletes all the time, we're putting them together. Yeah, and but we're not, actually, we're not actually putting them together. It's not like we're giving athletes. Oh, sorry. Okay, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> just, 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 just so people don't get confused. <laughs> Those two voices, Chuck Nice. Chuck, good to have you as always. Always a pleasure. Gary O'Reilly, former soccer pro, sports commentator. And now we've got you for Star Talk. <gasps> Lucky us, huh? Yeah, and everyone knows Chuck <laughs> is my longtime co-host. And I am Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. I'm director of New York City's Hayden Planetarium right here in New York City, part of the American Museum of Natural History. Now, none of us have expertise in, in COVID-19, uh, especially not COVID-19 with regard to athletes. We had to bring, we, we had to find somebody. But find mm-hmm. somebody who's got the medical chops to get us through this. And we found Dr. Saurabh Rajpal. Dr. Rajpal, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And so you're a cardiovascular disease specialist. And, uh, and as mm. an academic, I always see and respect people's academic titles. You're assistant professor at The Ohio State University's Wexner Medical Center. And you're also an assistant professor at Nationwide Children's Hospital. That's, That's right. a thing. Where, where is that? What is that? So Nationwide Children's Hospital is a children's hospital in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And it's a sub-speciality, super-speciality hospital. Provides care to kids, adolescents, and adults. And I am a part of their congenital heart disease team. So oh, as excellent. the... Yes. As, as kids get older, they get into the adolescent and uh, adult ages. They're not kids anymore, of course. Uh, we, we take care of them. Okay, yeah. so part of it, the value of that is you get to see it, see the entire arc of, of heart problems from, as you said, congenital up through adulthood. That's got to be an important data there. Yes, that's right. That's right. And that, that's how what it gets us in touch with 
adolescents uh, who participate in sports and uh, because that's the age group the adolescent and the young adults who you know uh, are in the competitive athlete age group yeah that's and that's the birth of varsity sports right basically yes. adolescence and and onward and so we've all read that if you're young you know the covid is not so bad so so you had a study that came out recently that looked at covid the effects of covid on the hearts of young athletes and yes. you know i we're not trained to think of covid on our hearts we think of it in our lungs and you know maybe some other part of our circulatory system so what what is this connection and what did you find yeah so and what the, made, what made you do it i mean how, like seriously what makes you go covid yeah. athletes heart like young young athletes right young yeah. athletes yeah somebody's got to ask that question yeah that's a so uh, you know early on in the pandemic we were getting um, information that uh, in people who were hospitalized so sick patients they had uh, a, a very high percentage of them had this marker called troponin which was high in the blood about 20 to 30% of patients uh, were seen to have troponin levels which were abnormal that made people think abnormally that, uh, high abnormally, abnormally high, high. Yeah. yes abnormally high and also we were we were seeing that covid had devastating consequences on people who had underlying heart disease especially devastating so the early risk groups that had a worse outcome with covid were people who had underlying hypertension coronary artery disease and heart failure so that made people think that is that does covid have this tropism or affinity for causing heart trouble as we were going through this was seen not uh, in multiple studies uh, similar findings came out we got involved when the ohio state sports clinic asked us what would be the best way to make sure that the athletes are safe to compete one of the things that we don't like to see is sudden cardiac death in athletes these mm-hmm. are the the news uh, items that we see and uh, pretty devastating to see it, it's, it's headline whenever it happens yeah it, yes. everybody knows when that yes. happens mm-hmm. so because of this uh, the sports medicine clinic at osu asked us you know what how could we make sure that our athletes stay safe while they're training while they're practicing and these are uh, these are not regularly exercising people which is great i mean these are people who compete and at a high level so we 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 decided at our university that to make sure that the athletes are safe in addition to getting the usual workup which is a clinic visit and asking symptoms and physical examination we will do an electrocardiogram and an echocardiogram but we went a step further and we said we now have a test cardiac mri a magnetic resonance imaging of the heart which can look at the structure of the heart muscle and if what we are looking for is myocarditis or inflammation of the heart muscle the best test to look for that would be an mri and since oh, just a, just a in- quick question so so just to be clear when you do at the traditional ekg you're only seeing the the heart beat the signature of the heart beat you're not actually analyzing the structure of the heart yes yes so so now with the mri uh especially combined with the ekg there's you you know everything at this point about the heart is that a fair assessment we know we know a lot so you know echocardiogram is another step in between ecg and mri so ecg will tell you about the electrical activity of the heart echocardiogram which is an ultrasound based technique it'll tell you the pumping function of the heart Uh, and the mri in addition to that it will show you the characteristic of the heart muscle 
what is that tissue like? Is there swelling in the heart tissue? So that, that is the advantage of MRI. Dr. Raj Paul, don't athletes quite often present with enlarged hearts anyway because of their cardiovascular exercise? That's right. That's something we call athletic cardiac adaptation. Athletes tend to have slightly larger hearts, not too large, but I would say within 10 to 15% larger than uh, uh, what is considered normal. And that is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, so wait, did, did, is, did the heart grow that large because they were they worked hard at it? Or did they start out with a heart that large and thereby became better athletes? Well, that's that's a good question. I don't think you know the answer to that, to okay. that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, when we see that athletes stop exercising, some of these changes, you know, get back to within the normal range. Okay. So more than likely, it's the first thing that you said. So, so what did you find? So we found that of the 26 uh, athletes that we report in our study, four had evidence on cardiac MRI of inflammation, which means swelling and necrosis or cell death. And um, those athletes, some two of those had symptoms, but the other two did not have any symptoms or had very mild symptoms when they had the COVID. Okay, so, so is this bad or good? I mean, inflammation... You know, that's like a bad word these days, right? But yes. what? Why, why is that bad with regard to the heart? So that's bad for from an athlete perspective. If athletes continue to perform strenuous exercises and competitive sports, when they have that inflammation in their heart, they, this can worsen. This can develop into something that is more sinister, like heart failure or sudden cardiac deaths. That's some of those things that we see. And is there is there any damage to the heart um, that would be long term, or is this something we 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 understand? There's a danger associated with it for a sudden cardiac uh, 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 death or heart failure. Yeah. Yeah. But long term, if you suffer this inflammation, is there damage to the heart muscle? Is there a damage to electrical signaling? Is there anything that is long term from the inflammation? Yeah, so most most of the athletes, they recover is what we have seen. This inflammation goes away. However, some of these, some of these can uh, change into heart failure or low heart function later on in life. Some of these changes can persist in a, in a minority of uh, patients, I would say. Doctor, does the, the, the scar tissue that appears in a normal wound or injury to skin appear in the tissue in the heart? And therefore, and does that then bring its own legacy of problems. That's right. So what we see on MRI in an acute stage versus in the long-term stage, it, it carries a different meaning, even though it might look similar. So one of the findings in, in, in cardiac MRI that we see is called late gadolinium enhancement or LGE. Mm-hmm. That could mean necrosis, which is cell death or a dying heart cell, or it could also mean scar tissue, like you're saying. Yeah. So in the, in the acute stage, when you see that cell death, these are able to regenerate and, and, uh, and this goes away. So the swelling will go away. But in a minority of these, it can turn into scar tissue, like you're saying, and can lead to long-term consequences like heart failure. What, what is COVID doing in anybody's heart? We've always only thought of it as a respiratory illness. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, yes which, is, which is true. I mean, COVID is primarily a respiratory virus and we see it that way. However... Uh, it has some tropism or affinity to the heart. Some uh, We think that it's probably due to its affinity to uh, an ACE2 receptor, which it, it, it affects the heart more frequently than other viruses. 
However, you know, viruses affecting the heart is not new. We have seen that other viruses affect the heart as well. Maybe this is an effect of so many people having this virus that we are seeing this more commonly. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what, what you're saying is the more people get the same virus, the greater is the range of symptoms you get to uh, log for what yes. the virus can do. That's right. That's wow. Right. And do we know what the connection is? I mean, because, you know, there's some years ago, now I can't remember the study, but I read about certain bacteria that actually affects the heart and can lead to, uh, you know, um, heart failure um, with respect to um, uh, dental care and not, or, or a lack thereof, a lack of dental mm, hygiene. Yeah. So, so it's, do we know the connection between viruses and bacteria and the heart? Because they just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't <laughs> seem right. You I shouldn't have to worry about viruses and bacteria <laughs> in my mouth and in my lungs messing up my heart. It shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, yeah, talk, talk. We got to talk. <laughs> Chuck off the uh, ledge. Yeah, talk me, off the, talk me off the ledge, Doc. <laughs> you know, there, there, are, there are a few pathways how this can ha- happen. One is that all these, you know, organisms that you talked about, viruses, bacteria, or we are talking about this virus, can affect the heart directly. It can invade the heart cell, the heart tissue cell directly and cause damage. Another way is, these viruses or bacteria can can um, sometimes lead to inflammatory reactions or inflammation mm-hmm. in the whole body and heart can get affected in other situations it can cause like an autoimmune reaction so the so the body starts damaging itself after an infection because the body makes inflammatory uh, markers to save itself from the virus but they're detrimental to the body itself that's what's called a swarm is it storm yeah cytokine yeah, storm, storm. Cytokine storm. yeah yes well, okay, so the heart, this is me being highly qualified in this field. The heart is a muscle, right? Yes. <laughs> and if I, bear with me, if, 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 yeah, if start there, like heart like, 101. Okay, go. Yeah, right, here we go. So if I damage a thigh muscle and it gets inflamed, I go straight to an anti-inflammatory drug. I go to an ibuprofen, something like that. Is, is this too simplistic to treat a heart or have I just, should I just say nothing else? So, you know, one of the treatments that is given if this inflammation persists for some time is steroids, which is like an anti-inflammatory drug, right? Uh So we do use it for for the heart as well. But But then that has its other effect, doesn't it? If you take the steroids, does that not damage your immune system? It does damage the immune system, but here the immune system is going haywire and causing, doing things that we don't want it to do. All right, so tell me about blood clots that we yeah. read about intermittently, because that seems like the heart would matter in that one. Yeah, definitely. So, so blood clots, this whole inflammation that we're talking about, inflammatory changes in the body, also lead to a procoagulant condition, which means that there is an increased tendency to form clots when you're ill with COVID. So this clot formation can form clots in the heart, the blood vessels of the heart, the blood vessels of the lungs, which is what we call pulmonary embolism or PE, yep. which is a very dangerous condition. So we are seeing that as well. All right. The fresh information here for all of us is even people who got COVID, who thought it was mild and want to just get on with their life, if they subject their bodies to some level of performance stress, that might not be a good thing. 
All right. So we see that there's a lot of sports coming back to television. You know, at, mm -hmm. during this recording, you know, we just saw the completion of the World Series. There's some people in the audience. So athletes are trying to just be athletes. So whatever this symptom was for the younger athletes, could it be worse for the older athletes? It depends, you know, it depends how much, what sport they play, what the type of infection they had, how long were their symptoms. So it depends on a lot of things. Or, or if it's an endurance sport versus just one of pure skill, that presumably that matters as well. Yes, yes. We, we think it matters. And uh, when the sports come back, if people have symptoms or if they're recovering from COVID, they need to be especially careful as they go back. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of what you just said, Cam Newton, uh, who now plays for the New England Patriots, so I uh, hate him. Um, <laughs> Damn, Chuck. <laughs> um, he got COVID and he returned and we saw a significant yeah. uh, um, drop-off in his performance. Is it, is it possible, because I think this is the pressure upon all athletes is to return as quickly as possible. Yes. So, right, and if I you're mean, a professional athlete and you are at the top of your game, Yes. Right. On a, and that's a stratospheric level of performance. Yes. And if, if something, if that gets taken out, you just become an ordinary good athlete yes. rather than the premium uh, athlete that you once were. So, Chuck, I didn't know it was that noticeable. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, the thing is, Neil, he, he's a franchise player. And the pressure on him to be there, not away from the sidelines or, or in the game, is immense. And the doctor will tell you, if you bring an athlete who's been through this back too soon, you get that kind of performance levels, Chuck. And it's, it's because we're human, funny enough. Okay, so we need so we need like the COVID Olympics. <laughs> we just lower expectations. Oh dear, don't. What is the timeline on legacy here for recovery? Is it a week, two weeks? You know what? Take the rest of the year off. What's the deal? So for if you have evidence of inflammation in the heart or swelling in the heart, we recommend rest for three months. That's how wow. long it takes for the heart Whoa. to recover. So that's yeah, that, that's, that's why that's why it's never going to happen. You're talking about a whole season for for most yeah. athletes. It's, yeah. mm -hmm. it's yeah. an entire season you got to sit out because you got COVID, and yes. they're not going to do that. Yes. Yes. Oh, maybe we do need the COVID Olympics. Oh God, I love it. I'm sorry. That's but just think, the, Olymp <laughs> the Olympics has been postponed a year. Imagine you're building up to perform in 2021 in Tokyo, and you catch COVID and you're out for three months. That's yeah, well, that's really going to blow. Yeah, that's a the hole. that's the end of your whole thing. That's yeah. the end of your whole thing. Man, man, what's this mean for the average person, fat guy on the couch? I mean, we're talking. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about like elite athletes. What does this mean for fat dude eating chips watching a football game? Okay, you're talking about the effect on the athletes and the effect on the people watching the athletes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you know, we, we know that people who are at risk of heart disease, so those people who have hypertension or obesity or things like that, they are predisposed to cardiovascular effects of COVID. So if, if they have symptoms that are suggestive of heart disease, like chest pain, shortness of breath, abnormal heart rhythm, palpitations, as we call it, they should see, they should see their doctor. Okay. Wow. Okay. okay, so so the point is, the couch potato surely is on the brink of having some cardiovascular problems if they're just sitting there eating eating chips. Right. There <laughs> so, you go. So, yeah. so our real our real takeaway here, people, is don't get COVID. Don't don't get COVID. Yeah, yeah. So so we do the smart thing and we pay attention to medical professionals. That's right. What we do. Yeah. <laughs>
So thank you, Dr. Rajpal, for bringing us this uh, information that none of us knew, and now we have more to think about and worry about. Uh, when we return to Star Talk Sports Edition, we're going to talk about uh, ways of containing COVID-19 when we return. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. We're back, Star Talk Sports Edition. Chuck and Gary, hey, co-host. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we're now going to talk about just containing COVID in the athletic uh, vistas that we're so you know we we've been realizing over the months that life without sports has changed the culture. You know, sports is, seems to be such an important fabric of of our social. Yeah. interactions and the things you talk about at the water cooler, but there's not even the water cooler, right? So what are we doing? So we, we're bringing somebody in, a medical doctor, who's thought about this. So Dr. Borchers, did I pronounce your name correctly there? Yeah, you sure did. Thanks for having Ex- me. Excellent, excellent. You're a sports medicine doctor. You are my favorite kind of doctor because <laughs> I used to be very active in sports, and you guys just knew, you know, you knew how to get us back out there. You didn't say, oh, just, you know— 
take this pill and call me in a week. No, you just know. You, we don't, I don't have a week. Get me back out there tomorrow, all right? Um, you're the Ohio State Department of Athletics, and you're the head team physician. Uh, is this team for all athletic teams of Ohio State? Yeah, that's correct. I'm the head oh team physician and medical director for the, the athletic department at Ohio State. So you'll handle uh, football injuries as well as golf injuries or something. And everything in between. <laughs> and everything. Wow. Every, okay. Hey, Neil, you get hit with a club. It's just as bad as getting hit by a linebacker. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about that. I do. <laughs> Depends where they you've hit, been you. hit You've been hit with both? <laughs> You're like, so, Chuck, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah. So the primary reason why we have you on here is that you are uh, one of the four executive committee members of the Big Ten Return to Competition Task Force. Yeah. All right? And remind me who's in the Big Ten, or at least let's see if we can get five out of the ten, just so we know who you're talking about here. So we're talking about uh, institutions, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Northwestern. So oh, 14 wow. institutions. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, better, ding, better, ding, 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 ding. Better known as your Saturday afternoon television football. <laughs> television football. There Absolutely, you go. That's, yeah. that's all, all you have to say. Who's the Big Ten? Turn on TV on a Saturday afternoon. If you see somebody playing, that's the Big Ten. It's just Big Ten. Wait, so, so you listed 13? Is that what you did? 14. So, so the Big Ten are 14 schools. That's, that's become correct, 14. Yeah. Gotcha, that's gotcha. That's my kind of mess. <laughs> and and you, you played for Ohio State as a football player. What position did you play? A long time ago. So I was a linebacker, but I did all the long snapping for extra points, field goals, oh. and punts. So. Wow, linebacker. Ooh. The, the most underrated, under, under-celebrated under person on the team until they screw uh, up. Correct. <laughs> it's like nobody cares about the long snapper at all. Oh, man. Goes out mm. there, play after play after play, does his job, gets the ball where it belongs. Soon as he does it, it's high, low, hits the ground, takes it. They're like, that guy has got to die. We got to kill that guy. <laughs> all right, back to the subject of this segment. Oh, yeah. So uh, we just came off of a conversation with uh, Dr. Rajpal. Uh, one of your co-authors, as we understand it, on this study um, that we talked about finding that COVID has affected um, the hearts of young athletes in ways that perhaps were not expected or, or imagined. So um, how, how did that report influence in any way your decision, the decisions you made in the return to competition task force? You know, it was just a piece of something that we needed to think about when we think about this virus. Um, you know, we said all along, we're not to be alarmist about things. We need to study them. We need to learn and understand them. You got to remember this virus has really only been with us now for, you know, about eight months time um, and in this country. And so there's a lot that we don't know about it. And so to uh, make certain that we're studying it and moving forward and looking at it and taking a cautious approach was important to us. And so that's exactly what we did. Uh, where did the task force task force land with regard to reengaging competition? Yeah, so our our primary objective was to make certain that for the chancellors and presidents of the universities that you know we could bring to them solutions that answered their questions. So we landed on a very cautious, conservative approach, utilizing a number of resources around 
labs, cardiac imaging, uh, um, studying cardiac function in these athletes that would give us the best feeling that they were safe to go back to play if they did happen to become infected with COVID. So uh, let me ask you, doctor, what are the what are the sort of standard protocols that are at through the Big Ten, not just the OSU, but through the Big Ten that, that are basically mandatory? And so, were you thorough enough at that so that mm. other athletic conferences had said, hey, they did it right. Let's use them as a model. So to answer the first question, you know, every athlete that has COVID positive uh, has to isolate appropriately, which is 10 days of isolation if they're asymptomatic or until their symptoms resolve. And then they have to go through a series of cardiac tests, including labs and EKG, an echocardiogram, and then a cardiac MRI scan. Yeah, those have to be reviewed and then they have to be, you know. So you might not have thought to do that were it not for this other study. Is that a fair statement? Um, I think that the data that we were looking at certainly was one of the studies that led us to think that we need to make certain we're appropriate in looking at this uh, risk back when we looked. You can't have athletes dropping dead on the field. Right. We should. No, no. See this. Okay, so what would what would the difference be between your flu recovery protocol and say what you've put in place now for COVID? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, so I think with flu, we know a lot more about it. There's a vaccine yeah. out there. We know, you know, we we're much more educated about it. What we don't know is what we don't know with COVID, and so um, we have to continue to understand and study it. And I think to um, make certain that we were taking a safe approach, uh, you know, for our conference, that's exactly what we did. And, and by the way, I couldn't emphasize your previous sentence more. When COVID arrived on our shores, and it hadn't really been studied, at least not by us at least, there I don't think the public fully embraced the, how new and novel the virus was. Because if you do embrace it, you will allow scientific studies to sort of run their course. And to say, oh, we just learned this. We didn't know that a month ago. And here it's doing this. Oh, and these people, we did. And I don't think the public was allowing um, discovery to take place. Did you experience that as well? Yeah, I think we wanted to extrapolate what we knew about other viruses to this virus. And that just doesn't work. This virus acts differently. There's things about it that we had not seen, how it affects individuals. So I think that you're right. We're still learning about it even now. So so are, are you involved with... Um, any protocols for teams with respect to um, reducing, flattening transmission? Because I would think, especially when you're dealing with a novel virus, the number one precaution you want to make sure is that people don't get it. That's our best defense against this virus right now is don't get it. So uh, what have you guys done and are you involved in that at all? Yeah, really involved with that. That was our number one uh, uh, impetus when we put protocols out was that all these protocols do is either identify people, you know, that have already had the virus, what they need to do or reflect the behaviors of those individuals. So when we talk about testing and those sorts of things. So our number one priority was to make certain that the student athletes knew that they still need to wear a mask when they're out in public. They should be physically distanced at all times from individuals, you know, making certain they avoid large gatherings, practice good hygiene, don't travel frequently, you know, all the things that are going to help them to, as you said, avoid getting the virus. And that is the best um, advice is to prevent the infection. All right. Now, suppose you, you have it and now you have the antibodies to it. Can you, are you still, can you still transmit it? 
Can, or well, you just, can you get it a second time? I mean, are these unknowns about the virus at this? These point? are unknowns. This is this is exactly what we're studying and looking at. And so I think you've probably seen even recently. We don't know how long immunity lasts. There was just a study in the UK that was just published yesterday that yeah. looked at you know immunity may not be as long as what people thought. Uh, so we don't know how long immunity may be for people. We don't know what viral load you need to have immunity, and we certainly don't know. Um, if you can or cannot be infected twice. And there are some rare cases, but certainly we have not seen the full effect of that yet. Right, so the limit, the, the possible limits on your immunity, is that because of some mysterious reason we're still figuring out? Or is it because the virus is mutating and then it just yeah, manifests I think, I think, slightly differently? Yeah, I think a lot of people believe that, that uh, similar to the flu virus, you know, you might need to be vaccinated every year because the virus can change and become different and affect people differently. So it's unlike some of the other diseases where you, you know, are affected once and you build a lifetime of immunity. Doctor, do some viruses elicit a stronger immune response from the body than others? And are we looking at that with COVID where there's a less of an, what am I saying, antibody response? Um, well, yeah, the immunity is not just antibodies, right? It's, it's yeah. you know, memory T cells and other things that can cause immunity. But that being said, the viral load can affect that. The type of virus can affect that. Um, you know, all of those things become an issue. And then we have to think about, you know, that effect moving forward. And I think that's one of the things that's very challenging about this virus, this SARS-CoV-2 virus, is that we don't know those answers. And so um, we have to be more cautious, I think, uh, when, we, when we approach that, especially when we're talking to patients or athletes. So sports, especially the Big Ten sports, is big business. Right. And so there's surely financial pressure to get these athletes back on the field. And they want everyone wants them back on the field. So it's not just business interest. I mean, let's and they want to go back. Right. It's 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 win, win, win if you can actually make it happen. But here's my question. Uh, If you test everyone right now and everybody shows up negative for the virus, then tomorrow they all go to some spreading event and then return what is the next time you're testing people? Is it three days? Is it and and by then it's too late. So shouldn't you have be testing people every six hours or something? I mean, <laughs> what, what, what is the you know? Or just stick a stick a swab and leave it in their nose with a with a, a channel to the lab. I mean, how do you do this? Yeah, so we're testing daily. Um, daily. Wow, look at yeah. that. And so if you if you look at uh, some of the epidemiological evidence, we believe that if you test every day, you can isolate individuals, even if they are infected, before they can infect someone else. That's yeah. that's there load. it is. Right. Yeah. There it is. Okay, so so you get a positive while before they're contagious, in a sense. Before they can infect someone else, that's correct. Wow. And remove them, remove them from that population before they would infect someone else. Is there a hmm. window of contraction? to contagion or is it immediate okay so let's say it's 12 noon i go out super spreader event i'm in the white house rose garden and (laughs) i (laughs) again (laughs) and i i leave right now it's 4 p.m i have the novel coronavirus right now okay i just contracted it okay i then go to another super spreader event Let's just say some kind of rally. And um, I'm in contact with other people. Can I transmit it right then? Or is there a window of um, uh, non-contagiousness? 
Yeah, there is a latency period. So you act, the virus has to replicate itself in your body and make enough copies so that it be, can become infectious. And then, you know, it can become to a load where you can actually pass it and infect someone else. What's that window? Yeah, so it's, that window is... It's 18 is, viruses, Chuck. Is that what you want to... What kind of... What, no, it's, it's, how many? It's felt, to be, it's felt to be around three to seven days oh, in wow. most individuals. But wow. Five to seven days. So you can walk around with this for a while. Mm. Um, before you may actually, and that's part of the issue is you can be asymptomatic and walk around with it and not know it and then spread it to other people. But if you're testing people frequently, right. you can identify them before they get to the point where they would spread it to someone else. So in that period of latency, you could remove that person and boom, that, that leads to a greater containment. Yeah, that's correct. Wow. And that has been, that's been a discussion around public health and how we need to be approaching this if we're really going to make an impact and, you know, stopping the spread of this virus. Right. I mean, let's look at your, let's look at your football team at OSU. You've got what, 150 plus members where you look at staff, uh, as well as players, coaches, first tier, whatever level you've got around them. The ball boy. Don't forget yeah. the ball boy. Yeah. Or the water boy. The water and boy, um, yeah. um, Adams, Adam Sandler. So there yeah. you've got you've got testing daily for that amount of people. You're already under pressure financially because college sports has been decimated. What is what is this protocol costing to be able mm. to put this in place? It must be immense. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the total cost, um, uh -huh. but I agree with you. It's, it's not an inexpensive venture, that's for sure. Sure. Well, wait, there's the cost of testing people, but then there's the opportunity cost of sports that you might have conducted that you're not and not filling the stadiums, which itself was revenue, right? So there are two costs, the cost of implementing yeah. and the cost of not making money combined, right? Yeah, and the cost of keeping these athletes and the staffs and the coaches healthy and safe when we're asking them to do this in a, you know, in a pandemic and making it as safe as we can for them. Are you familiar with any of the protocols for professional teams? Um, now, you know, of course, yeah, the NBA had the bubble. Okay, but um, uh, let's look at professional football, and uh, which doesn't which doesn't have. Are you guys? Are they learning from you? Are you learning from them? Are they about the same? Yeah, I think we're both testing daily. I think we're both learning from each other. Their protocols uh, slightly different than ours, with a combination of PCR and antigen testing, and uh, um, and so I think there is no perfect protocol. Um, the protocol is that you have to stick to it and you have to reinforce behaviors. And, um, but we feel like what we're doing is, uh, has thus far um, helped us to identify where there are problems and stop them before they get out of control. We got to take a quick break. Right. And w when we come back, uh, normally, uh, you know, Chuck, Gary, and I just sort of reflect on what had just happened in the two segments. If you could hang on, we'd love to bring you as part of that. It's more of sort of a chew the fat segment. If, if you gotcha. will. Can, you, can sure. you hang out for that? Sure. Okay, cool. excellent. So when we come back on Star Talk Sports Edition, um, we're going to talk about containing the coronavirus in the sports universe when we return. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. 
Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back, Star Talk Sports Edition. And I've got Dr. Borches here, who is a sports medicine expert at the Ohio, the Ohio State University. That's one of universities that carries a the proudly. Yeah. I think there's the Johns Hopkins University. There's a few. I, I, I grew up in the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> the we o- have a the. No, the, only no borough with the, the only borough with a definite article before it. Yes, exactly, because we've always been definite about our situation. Oh, but, I see. oh look at you. Is, is that so? Look at uh, you. There you go. So so we use this segment to just sort of reflect, it's almost free form, on what has just uh, come across our table in the last two segments. And let me just, just sort of lead off. There's all this attention given to sports because there's so much money involved. Is there someone in the administration saying... Hey, you guys are doing something interesting, and you found interesting results. Let's apply that to the rest of the campus, where no the question. learning happens. I mean, that's exactly right. Yeah, you take, being able to take this information and apply it to the community, to the university, to businesses, to schools is really important. And so, that's part of the uh, you know part of the responsibility we have. And so, you're exactly right. But let's be frank that you got the priority because you're worth more money than just a single a simple student getting taught by a professor in a classroom. But, but also, you got to understand that they, they have a specific enclosed community as well, so they're a perfect microcosm to study. Oh. You mean the athletic? The athletic, groups. yeah, the athletic yeah, organization yeah. Okay, okay. within the school, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it really does. It is a smaller group. And I think uh, the other thing it's done is reinforced at our university the behaviors that you need to do and it's driven the infection rate way down at Ohio State. Oh, uh, wow. You're becoming exemplars. Uh, yeah. And I think and I think people want to support these athletes. They want to uh, model their behavior. And I think it's uh, it's great when, uh, you know, sports in many different areas and again, not just to COVID, but can be a great example and leader and galvanize people for common causes. And I think uh, that's one of the things that can do in this pandemic. They speak of winter as the flu season. Uh, and I presume that's because we have more tendencies to stay close together and indoors. Given the habits that most of us have developed constraining the transmission of the coronavirus, will this be devastating to any seasonal flu virus that wants to infect us because the normal ways it would have now been closed off because we're washing our hands and we've got the masks on? It's that it certainly should affect the spread of the flu as well if we can stick to those behaviors. You're right, and I think we saw that even last year in the you know in the late springtime, flu was uh, down compared to where it had been. And uh, certainly, these measures don't just affect COVID; they affect other you know infectious diseases as well. Right, 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 right. Doctor, right. we've talked we've talked about the body and the effect and how you protect it, but how how are you dealing with the mental well being of Ooh, everybody? 
involved yeah. in this because not just the athletes, not just the coaches, but ev- the extended family and literally coaches' family and, and yeah, players' d- d- family. Yeah, does the medical department have have a, a psychology division for the athletes? Yeah, we do. We have a significant sports psychology group uh, that wow. works with our athletes. Uh, and I will tell you this: one of the byproducts of the pandemic is that mental health issues in athletes skyrocketed. Yeah. Anxiety, depression, adjustment disorder, stress. Um, so it was a it's a huge stressor for athletes in general not to participate in their sport. And uh, we lose fact of all the I think sometimes the perspective of the other health issues around um, when we're so focused appropriately on this pandemic and the issues that it can cause. But uh, we've got a lot of byproducts from that. And that was certainly one of the largest. and I think one of the biggest concerns of everyone involved, at least with collegiate athletics is uh, the mental health uh, of the student-athlete. Because I can say, as an academic, you know, if I can just stay home and study and I'm fulfilling what I'm good at and what I like to do, but if I'm an athlete and I can't do my athlete thing, that has subtracted from my self-identity in some fundamental how I express myself and how I feed myself uh, my own sense of even self-worth, if I can take it that far. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad to hear that you've got all all sides of the health uh, profile figured, Doctor. I, I must ask this because you, I mean, you've got such a massive and brilliant football program. You'll have players in there that will be going to the NFL. They're that good. They're, they're drafting happens they're, every they're, year, they're, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, what are they doing? How are they coping in there with the fact that this thing? is unseen and can derail not just me for the next couple of weeks, couple of months, but it could take away if I get a bad case. How are you coping with them? Are players dropping out of the program? Are they engaging? What's the deal? Yeah, we haven't seen any attrition from our program um, All right. of any players. I think hopefully that means that they feel that we've communicated well, we've been transparent, we're discussing with them what we're putting in place to keep them safe. We're continuing to communicate uh, frequently. And I think that, that there's a lot of credit that goes to the institutions, their staffs, uh, and their commitment to do that, uh, uh, not just with football, but with all the athletes uh, to, to be yeah. honest and open about what the risk is. So let me ask you, speaking of that, uh, well, uh, speaking of communication and the psychology, does the team, I think team players might, here's the thing, with COVID, you're only as good as the person who's not willing to do what they're supposed to do, okay? If we all say, okay, guys, we created this social bubble. We're all cool now. We got to make sure that we keep this social bubble closed. And then somebody sneaks out in the middle of the night. Right, and I'm going, Mm -hmm. I just got to go out because I need some Funyuns. And, uh, you know, uh, that's what I call That's what I call sex. Anyway, um, (laughs) But you may have been in the bubble too long, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, oh, please. Uh, but is, is that, do you find that advantageous? The fact that these guys are as a team, and is that used to help keep them, I won't say in line, I'll say aware? I think definitely. I think when you're motivated, when you have an end goal, when you have something that motivates you to, you know, behave appropriately and you have peer pressure, um, and when you see that everyone else is acting that way, when you know you got a test the next day, you got all kinds of reminders that you need to, you know, stick with the program. And uh, I think that uh, 
there's a there's real power in uh, in being accountable to you know your teammate and the other people that you're embedded with uh, in this mission, so to speak. So what we could do, and I'm talking in a greater society, if we were to instead of looking at this as a national thing, instead of looking at this as like oh we got to test the whole, if we looked at this in each individual social construct. So I work with my company, my company, I'm responsible to my coworker. And then you create that same kind of environment, but you do it on a smaller scale in many, many, many places, we might be able to, we might be able to overcome this thing. Yeah. Wow. I think you're exactly right. I think being it becomes a state of mind, yeah, yeah, being more yeah. granular and creating that, uh, impetus to be accountable to the people that you're closest with, the. Uh, drives your behaviors. And I think uh, to think about it that way is, uh, you know, is a great way to think about it. And we've seen great success with that happening uh, on our campuses. Who knew sport could be useful? <laughs> From the former <laughs> professional sportsman. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's about your network. If you're good and everybody is trusting in their network and doing the right thing, that network then spins out into that person's network and that person, and it grows and grows and grows and itself becomes viral, pun intended. There's sure. no question. Absolutely. There's a way to defeat this. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. So I want you to predict the future. So how soon <laughs> will a, a, a magic serum be available? I think you're going to see a vaccine uh, become available in December. Uh, and I think it'll be available to, you know, the general population sometime in the spring of 2021. Okay. So that, that time delay would be the discovery of the vaccine versus the production. Uh, and, and the testing is going on now. Is that yeah. what you're saying? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. okay. Oh, man. That's cool. Um, so, so this is the lesson to us will be in the future, we want a vaccine before a virus shows up. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Ooh. we want. Okay. So, doctor, get back to work. And that's what we want. <laughs> so, so, you can head this thing off in advance. And I, maybe that's how I understood the concept of a coronavirus is a category of virus that's different correct. from other categories where your hope and expectation is that what you would have developed for one of these coronaviruses could help the others. Is that a fair statement? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm looking well, forward one, to I, it. I, wait, I got one last thing. Um, right. Are bats dying of coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm they're sure. mammals, and we got it from them. Do they, do they have I'm coughing sure they... fits? <laughs> I'm not a veterinarian, so I don't uh, I don't study bats, but I know that the you know as you mentioned, it can certainly uh, originate from them. You can originate, but maybe they just chill with it, they're, right? And they're dying from the novel human virus, <laughs> <laughs> which we wouldn't know. Again. Right? Ah, uh, wait, yes. wait, who, wait, wait. So the vampire bats are saying. Whose neck did you exactly. bite last night? Right. Where did you get this virus? Right. So if they're not suffering, does that mean all we have to do is hang upside down? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, we'll we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll, we'll get a full report back on your desk in the morning. <laughs> that right, inversion so. table out. I'll be upside down. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. James, thank you for joining us uh, from the Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State, we, the country loves Ohio State University. It's like it's benchmark university, academic, um, athletic example of America at its best. So um, glad to see you in the middle of that, keeping that safe. So uh, thanks for joining us, Gary, Chuck, 
as usual. Thank Always you. Good to Always share this table with you. Thanks. All right, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.